Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram Aaron underscore Dugan. My name is Stephen Godfrey. You can find me at 38 Godfrey on most social media services. So we will have some uh, very, very, very serious discussions about two very, very, very serious football games on New Year's Eve. We will also have a couple of very silly discussions about a few other topics like which coach in the SEC you'd like to see covered in mayonnaise. Um, And of course, Mike Leach uh, openly threatening. I don't know what he's threatening exactly to Texas Tech, but just a head coach in the SEC openly threatening an administration in the Big 12, which I found to be fascinating during a press conference at the very, very end of his press conference. So we'll do all of that, of course. Um, David Ubbin of The Athletic, who is uh, covering the Sugar Bowl, is going to join us. We're going to talk about both games and some other games with him a little bit later on. So stay tuned for that, of course. David Ubbin joining us from The Athletic a little bit later on. However, Aaron Dugan, post-holiday, pre-New Year's, Fringe Element is brought to you by Live from Memphis. Struggle. Fringe Element is brought to you by Jaspers, the five-star playmaker of the Nashville food community. <laughs> K. All right. All right. I hate when Godfrey says K after. Why? I'm kind always of... here to support the creativity. No. Also, every time I say K, or every time I give you the encouraging, okay, is you know that when I do the big applause, you know, in those those reads, I'm very proud. Like, no, I do know the difference. Yes, I don't, I don't damn with faint praise, as they say. There's also two different. Aaron, there's also two different K's, and if you get the K with it, he just gave you like where the voice goes up a little bit. It's like a high high level voice inflection. That's sort of like a all right, okay, all right, not bad. Not bad. If it goes down, it's sort of like how you talk to your okay. children when you're disappointed. You're like, okay, why is there? Why are there noodles mm-hmm. on the wall? That's and that's what, been a while. For sure a difference. Yeah, yeah. It's honestly, it's been a while since since we we went totally off the rails on the read. So. Let's see how long I can go in 2022 without getting the like disappointed K. Well, happy New Year's to everybody. <laughs> go to Jasper's. They have some specials. We'll tell you about those a little bit later on in the show. They've got some specials for New Year's, New Year's Eve, and Amateur Hour across the country and especially in downtown nashville that's why you don't go to downtown nashville you go to west end and you go to jasper's the next evolution the sports bar where you will not pay for parking but you will get some fancy drink specials over the weekend to watch both playoff games and or bowl games on new year's day next weekend okay so uh before we dive into cincinnati alabama georgia michigan as well as mayo baths and mike leach i accepted your challenge aaron dugan to get your particular phrase onto the paul feinbaum show last week I felt like I did it in a pretty, I feel pretty proud about it. I'm ready for you guys both to cut me down to size. And I really enjoyed it. a hard it. sentence to sneak in. Yeah, if, no, I, I'm proud. I mean, if you okay, if the listeners right. don't remember, we challenged Braden to say it's almost spring in the Congo. And he had to slip <laughs> it into his appearance on the Paul Feinbaum show. Not an easy sentence just to slip in there, but I, it no. did not we'll happen. On, did it. it did not happen on the Monday edition, but it did happen on the Tuesday edition. And of course the wonderful folks over at the Paul Feinbaum show were willing to share the audio with me. So if you guys would like to hear it and now grade the appearance uh, or the sentence um, here it goes. Here, here was me saying it's almost spring in the Congo on the Paul Feinbaum show. I already love it. Brian Kelly has to prove that he can recruit those players at that five-star level. That is the one thing I do not know if he can do. I'm not saying he won't. I'm just saying we don't know. 
Not, I know for sure that he can develop players. I know for sure that he can build a, a winning program and develop a culture and all that stuff, all, all the cliches you need. But recruiting in Louisiana is not just the, a nasty, you know, shark-infested swamp of the most difficult place to recruit in the world, the Southeast and the Southeastern Conference. It's not just a swamp. It's like an African jungle mixed with, like, Mount Everest in the middle of a civil war. Like, that's what recruiting in the SEC is like. And signing day is coming up, and Brian Kelly's going to have to make some hay. This is a jungle down here in the SEC when it comes to recruiting. And it's almost spring in the Congo. So Brian Kelly's going to have to prove that he can recruit at that level. You set that up swimmingly. I mean, you, you could, you were very, I could tell you were very nervous about doing it because you went highly descriptive to set it up to where by the time you set it, it wouldn't seem out of place. So right, exactly. you built and built and built and built, and then you slid it in on the way out. So, right. I mean, yeah, that's the most professional. I think it was very it. strategic. Yeah. I'm going to throw you a bone on that one, Braden. I'm very impressed. Thank you. Thank did you. the producer, did anyone, did anyone look at you and they were like, what the? No, I when I asked during the commercial break to send me like a one minute cut of of you know of me saying it's almost spring in the Congo, he he was like I I had no idea that that was even like a, a weird thing. I thought that was just like what you were saying, and which is the goal, which is the whole point is for that no one knows that it was a thing except yeah, for the, the people game. listening to this show. So I felt pretty good about it. I will say that scheduling a segment of the Paul Feinbaum show around a phrase. <laughs> by developing a topic that you think you can work the phrase into is probably not the most professional thing to do, but I felt like it was on time and it was appropriate. And so, Oh, I disagree. <laughs> it's gotta be fun. You're keeping it fun. Keeping it light challenge, challenging yourself. I don't know. I think it's funny, but it was also right. my idea. So I'm biased. It was I just you right on the show. Yeah. I was, I was hosting solo. So dude, when you're filling that much time, like I, I I've done solo podcasts before where you're basically doing a single topic for 30 minutes or something like that to do solo shows where you are essentially setting up a topic react, like doing what we're doing right now, but just one person, like it gets long. I mean, you gotta, it gets, it gets squirrely. I, so I, I did have cheerleader litigator, uh, I man and, um, Jim from Tuscaloosa to help break up the monotony though. So I did feel honored. With, I did feel honored about that. Uh, talking to some of those wonderful folks, I got, I got, I got harassed by Jim in Tuscaloosa, Jack in Lower Alabama, whatever you want to call it, multiple times. Feel honored. This is the Steve Gorman methodology of doing media. If you take time out of your day to either log on to an app on Twitter or call a, a phone number at a radio show to tell me, just to make sure that I know how stupid you think that I am, I am honored by that. Um, yeah, I mean, if you can pass that muster, that's yeah. I would just, I would bait those people. I mean, I would be too mean. So, so, cause you kind of have to play along with them. You, you actually, they encouraged snark. Snark was encouraged by all the producers. They were like, you can oh, go wow. back at him if you want to. I was like, all right, great. So you kind of have to with if those crazies. I would, I would thrive in that setting. If I, wasn't, <laughs> if I wasn't banned from the SEC network. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't on the SEC network. So we should have had you on. Um, they were not going to put my ugly mug on TV. Only Aaron does that on YouTube. Go check out the YouTube channel. Thank you for the plug. Appreciate uh, that. See me, you, you can see me like this, looking off camera at the live <laughs> Auburn-Houston game as we tape this. Yeah, we were taping this during the final minutes, and Stephen can't take his eyes off of group of five football. Um, all right, so real quickly. The SEC. Yeah, re real quickly here. Um, I just want your, again, light light topic before we get to the, the, the two big games coming up on Friday. If you were to line up two or three coaches in the SEC to take a mayonnaise bath, 
And there's like a lot of paperwork apparently around this mayonnaise bath that the Mayo Bowl is going to dish out to either Shane Beamer or Mac Brown, or if you're listening to this, have already dished out. W- which coach do you want to see in the mayonnaise bath in the SEC? Do they and, have and and why? Mm-hmm. Like, like I think it's Kirby Smart. <laughs> I can't decide Why? if I want it to be the person that's the least comfortable doing something like that or the person that would lean into it the most. Lean into it the most, Lane Kiffin. No question to me. I think he'd just own it. I don't oh, it's want Brian it. Kelly. It's it's to me, it's Brian Kelly or Kirby Smart because they're yeah, the Brian least Kelly. they're the least fun. Yeah, I know. I think like, I think Kirby would be would be nicer about it. Kelly's gonna be the most uncomfortable. That's what for I want. Sure. Yeah. But Kirby, but Kirby's hair's always like right in the right place and everything and you mean his his haircut that an eight year old child in Athens, yeah. Georgia has? Yeah. yeah. Josh, what's Heibel? under that flat? Secret. I mean, Mike Leach would be kind of funny because I don't know what he would do, but I think Brian I, Kelly's a good answer. Yeah, just watching BK go through everything in the SEC so far, where he's he's it's like you're going to a wedding where you don't know the customs or traditions, but you're trying to be respectful. And so you're just like, you know, the dumb accent, the clapping along, the stupid locker room videos during recruiting, like he's just going to be awkward for a while. So we might as well take advantage of this. Yeah. Like Catholic mass. And you've never been before. Yes. Yeah. Interesting that, example uh, with Brian. Or Kelly, the first year yeah. I dated my wife. Yes. Standing up again. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I was Why raised standing Luther- up again. I was raised Lutheran. Stand up, sit down, repeat after me. It's very, it's very easy. It's not that. If easy. you're not Catholic, you're best off being a Lutheran, having to go to Catholic mass. Cause y'all know the most besides actually being catholic yes we we are we, lutherans are basically catholics with all of the drinking and none of the guilt that's what and I girls do. can be priests well yes you call some, them priests in, in some i think synod. that's episcopal well missouri synod of lutheran church cannot but that's again now we're getting really oh, deep never deep mind details. okay we're too deep let's just keep go I, on move on i, I don't want to see josh heupel because i just feel like that's too much mayonnaise like on screen at one time which is probably rude of me to say but it's just it's I weird that I love him so much. I just don't want to see joke him bathe in that. I know that, like, I know, I, I get it. I understand the whole Mayo Bowl thing. And, like, the Duke's, I know the Duke's crew, the PR crew, and they're great. They sent me the the thing. In fact, I just saw it downstairs in my house where I was like, we got to finish that Georgia Clemson mayonnaise. That's going to go bad. Um, <laughs> but mayonnaise doesn't it's spill. Mayonnaise, is- like, mayonnaise doesn't spill. It just, it's, it's not, it's not ideal for this situation. I, it's gonna glob out no matter who it is. But that's the fun of it, right? Like it's that, just like, I don't know. It may cause bodily harm when it lands on a coach. It's just gonna like, fall in kind of like a cl- like sloppy thud. Right, and you have to shake the jar a little bit, you know, like yeah, you got to do what you do with a jar of mayonnaise. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which again, Maybe they'll I make did, it more pourable consistency. Like I like saw ranch. the Idaho potato bowl <laughs> thing a couple, I guess it was a week ago now where Craig, Craig bowl in Wyoming beat Kent state. And it was in Boise stadium and they have the French fries ready to go. Kind of the larger, not steak fries, but close. Oh, they look like five guys fries and it's in, no it's in shots. the jug and they dump it. And like, it like falls over him because they're French fries. And he's like, ah, and then they like that's it. They run they, off the field. They all they all hit the ground because they yeah. Just, and the like, players are kind of throwing the fries around. You're like, wow, that was harmless. Mayonnaise is going to destroy. Like, first off, just you're going to clean your body several times before you don't have a faint hint of mayonnaise on you. It's like it's like when what your if- dog gets sprayed with with a skunk and you have to clean it yeah. with like tomato mm-hmm. sauce like yeah. six times. Also, you're ruining a shirt. I mean, not that he, not that they care. It's just some dry fit polo. But like that shirt, just chuck it. What if they didn't let him shower before the post-game presser? That'd be great. I think Eli Drinkowitz would be 
would be like so into it and do some really weird stuff with it. Really? Yeah, well, he's, he's just he's, he's like super that. nerd. I did, but the whole point of it is that people like us are talking about it like this. That's the whole point of them doing this is that they get all this extra attention. That is what they're doing. And we are buying it hook, line, and sinker because I think it would be hilarious to watch all these coaches get doused in mayonnaise. I hate mayonnaise. I love ranch. It makes no sense. Don't ask me why. But if you had to get doused in mayo, would you want it to be Duke's? Yeah, I don't know. Take it or leave it. Who's a man? Okay. Which one of you are mayonnaise experts? Duke's is, I don't, I'm not like an expert. I don't love it, but on certain things like a turkey club, going Duke's for sure. Yeah, I like mayo. I put mayo on sandwiches, burgers, stuff. I mean, yeah, I'm fine I with really. it. I like uh, Duke's definitely. I actually prefer not the regular Duke's. It's the olive oil Duke's. Much okay, better. there you go. So Duke's is the right mayonnaise to be in this business. So, uh, all right, Mike Leach uh, in a press conference, basically uh, just berating the powers that be at Texas Tech, <laughs> um, covering up sexual assault documents or something like this. Like, this was a harmless 25-minute press conference, and then the last five minutes got real weird. Mm. Um, is there – I mean, listen, we asked Ian Fitzsimmons last week on the show. I asked him if he was going to – because he's calling the game for, for ESPN and radio, and I said, are you going to ask – is it unprofessional to ask Mike Leach, you know, while walking off the field about the money that he's owed? And, of course, he, he did that in the press conference beforehand. So, I don't know. Stephen, this is sort of more in your, in your territory. So, when this stuff happens, I, I, I kind of think back. I always think sort of maybe on the aggregate with Leach and that we went through COVID and BLM and just uh, basically a national uprising on multiple fronts, and Leach was largely quiet. Like he, for the most part, since he's been at Mississippi State, he shut up about most things relative to like the Mike Leach scale of of, of speaking out. I think I gonna, this. I was going to say he still had a few questionable tweets. Well, he's and, Mike Leach. Yeah, right, right. he's Mike. I mean, we are grading on a very distinct curve. So, okay. okay. I think with this, he just doesn't. This is maybe w w the first time, and I'm guessing here that he has ignored whatever Mississippi state has advised him to say or not to say, or, Hey, maybe think about this and just said, Hey, I, this is personal. I dislike this, this organization. I dislike this, this, you know, community boosters, however, however you want to frame Texas tech. And I feel he called it four. he called out four people specifically. Yeah. Like this is, this is something that's obviously stuck on him for a long time. This is something where um, if you read his book back when he was a more sympathetic character overall, that book is that book reads a little differently now. Swing your sword. Um, he harbored a lot against against some people in Lubbock and, and and was very very angry at people going all the way up into the Big Twelve. And I believe that book was written. I want to say right before he got hired in Pullman. If I'm right, I can't remember. I think it was exactly. right after, but 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 around okay. the same time. I remember there was a there was a new edition that did come out. I should ask Feldman where they they kind of they tacked on a wazoo part at the end. I think so. It doesn't surprise me. Um, it's not going to translate to the game though. I don't. I didn't mean to say that like a question because this is as unique a situation as I've seen in terms of motivating a team. Like Mississippi State's players are no. I, I can't imagine them being more or less motivated because of a financial grievance that their coach has dating back a decade. Oh, I Can't don't care about, about, I don't care about the game. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't care about that. This is, it, it feels inevitable. And I, I did chuckle at first when the pairing was announced and honestly, like, it's fine. It's good. I, I really, all I asked for out of arbitrary exhibition games in like late December, early January is like, give, give me something to hook onto one Bingo. thing. 
watch this quarterback, which we don't really do anymore. Cause if you're watching the quarterback, he's already declared for the draft and he's left, but like, you know, watch this quarterback or a coach uh, being doused in mayonnaise, perhaps here's a weird situation with an interim, the Mayo thing, something stupid. Um, I think bowls could probably do better to, I mean, obviously the bowl itself, the Liberty bowl did not lean into this narrative cause it's not a positive one, but we did that in the media. Um, you just need one thing to hook onto. So I'm fine. I'm fine with it being like the thing yes. we talk about. What else are we going to talk about with this it, game? No, Texas it, Tech I is agree. in a transition. Mississippi air, State's a known quantity. You know, air like the, air the grievances. Aaron. Yeah. It's great. I mean, it's wonderful. Aaron, let me ask you this. Steven just brought up all these players that are sitting out. And um, isn't there a quick fix to this? Bonuses? Bull bonuses. Ooh. Matt, I don't Matt, know if that would fix it. Matt Corral. Oh, here's, definitely. here's 50 grand, Matt Corral, playing the bull. Yeah, but that's but what you're looking at is millions of dollars in potential draft drop spot. That's not worth fifty thousand dollars. It's that's way more money than that. You'd have to have some serious bonuses to get some of these guys to play because you're talking about dropping millions or tens of millions of dollars based on if you get hurt. So Eli Drinkwitz and uh, a great ball, great football game by the way, Missouri and Army last week. If you watched it, um, Eli Drinkwitz made a coach's decision to not play Tyler Beatty in the game against Army the night before because he said, "You know what? I couldn't have it on my conscience if he played and got hurt." Yeah, like that's a coach's decision. You're telling me the player wouldn't want to? I'm just that's not I'm a just, coach's decision. That's a recruiting tactic, is what that is. <laughs> right. That I'm was just, that, that was designed to sell future recruits on, hey, come work for a player's coach. I, I totally agree. I'm just saying, hypothetically, isn't an easy way to solve some of this problem. If it is a problem, which I do not think it is, but some people do, if we want to add more value to the bowl games and maybe make them more interesting by putting better players on the field, could we not just pay them to do that? I mean, no. it might be an easy fix if the money was right, but it's going to be a very expensive one, especially when you're talking about draft eligible guys. Well, it's, I was going to First come up and, with it. Like high round draft eligible guys. Yeah. It, that's, and that's where I was headed actually, Aaron is, is who are we really talking about here? First and second rounders, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. If someone's a tweener in the third, depending on position group, it probably behooves you to show as much tape or put as much tape out there as possible. Um, everyone's freaking out right now about the Kenny Pickett thing. Bottom line was if if the Peach Bowl between two good teams, good whatever, it, it, between Pitt and Michigan State, two good teams, if that was factored into an eight or twelve team bracket, you bet your ass Kenny Pickett would be playing in oh, that game. Kenneth Walker like, too, yeah, yeah. I mean, like we can go back and do this for the last couple of years. It really stings people for some reason in these high profile but yet still arbitrary game. Basically, any any of the um, rotating partner bowls when they don't have a playoff game. They, they don't mean anything like the Florida, Peach Bowl Florida doesn't mean anything year. this year. Florida last year had almost like what? Eight players sit out or whatever. Yeah. Georgia and Cincinnati both had players since sit out of their game last year. Yes. And I, you know what? I'm a huge Kyle Pitts fan and I'm glad he sat out last year for Florida. Like what could he, have, was he going to go any higher in the draft? No, I totally understand the player sentiment yeah. in this. Yeah. However, I will tell you this. If Kyle Pitts was playing for a Florida team that was like, let's just, I, without looking it up, Let's just say they were the 12 seed last year in a 12 team playoff. Kyle Pitts would have played. Yes. Yes. They all that's, would. That that's what people that's the other thing people are missing about this is like again, Pittsburgh and Michigan State is like a 10-12 matchup. Yeah. Like there's no chance that Kenneth Walker and Kenny Pickett sit out that game if it's a playoff. Oh no, no. It's no I mean, just think about the NCAA tournament. It's the yeah. exact same yeah. thing. And to Aaron's point, though, I what what I was gonna say is. There's a monetary value when you audit the bowls of the gift, the dollar value of gifts. 
you know, you get the the prize pack of like a watch and a shopping spree, which is usually like a gift card to Belk or something like that. Flipping that into money would be a start. And then maybe seeing what you can do to up that dollar amount, I think would would change some people's minds. Now, here's the thing. $2,500 is not going to change the mind of a first or second rounder. No. It shouldn't. That's, I mean, I hope it doesn't. That's why I said I think 50, we're netting out on, 50 grand. Yeah. yeah, like lower round guys to keep this as many guys from opting out of these games. I definitely think money could help that. I do yeah. think when you're talking first and second rounders, it's just too much. The problem, yeah, I, I do think it could help the you, other with the other guys. You can't do 50 grand times no, 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 and, no. You know, that's 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 <laughs> the issue. Well, you could you could at a couple bowls, but not but not many, and and so, only at a couple, and only at like the quarterback position, like Kenny, like Kenny Pickett, so, um, or or you, Matt Matt Corral, or could you imagine just giving like the bowl just offers Matt Corral fifty grand <laughs> to play, which he's playing anyway, isn't he? Yeah, I, I think he is. Sam Howell's yeah. playing for North Carolina in the Mayo Bowl, by the way. But you, could you imagine just being like, all right, Matt Corral, here's fifty grand, and the O line's like, what? Like, that's it? You just well, you better fifty grand and like. He's tip. I put it this way. He's tipping. He's got to tip say, his own line. <laughs> oh yeah, you're gonna yeah. have to tip out on that that's, for that's, sure. That's at least six or seven PS fives. Yeah, you better pass that. You better, you better cough that up, homie. Yeah, no question about that. You better pass that around. So, um, all right. So, you guys want to get into these two games? You want to talk about the? You want to talk about some playoff games here? I got to yeah. stretch. I'm gonna troll so hard. I got to stretch first. I don't want to pull anything. Okay, Jesus. I'm good. Ready. Fringe Element is brought to you, Aaron Dugan, by Jaspers, the Rolls Royce of bars for all the sports out there. See, look at that. We don't even need Aaron anymore. We we got you, Dennis. Dennis Dugan making an appearance on the ad. Dennis, happy, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. How are you, sir? Good. Have, have Aaron show you the race car set I got her for Christmas. Oh, that's cool. Are they little? Are they, do they have little like remote control guns and like uh, with the wheels on them? <clears throat> yeah, but yeah, but uh, no, well, you actually use your phone. It's it's an artificial intelligence slot car racing that's slot slotless. <laughs> Incredible. It's not what I asked for. <laughs> <laughs> what did, what did you, go to Jasper's? By the way, they have five dollar uh, New Year's Eve um, champagne all day New Year's Eve and all day New Year's Day. Lots of football happening, so go watch Jas. Go to Jasper's and watch games and drink champagne. Uh, Dennis, what did she ask for for Christmas? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to think. She she asked me for nothing, believe it or not. But I but I knew she would demand something unusual and innovative. So I got her a artificial intelligence slotless slot car <laughs> racing set. When you when you started to say she was going to ask for something unusual, it's going to be an appearance on the podcast. <laughs> join, <laughs> join the podcast, Dad. <laughs> that's what uh, I want. That's what I want from you. Well, I, I, I'm proud that Erin has brought some culture to your show. She has, she has introduced haiku into the mix. So I think you've gone up a level in the whole no respectability class. No, no question. And uh, you are to be given all the credit in the world for that, sir. You, Thank you, you sir. You, you've raised a very well-rounded daughter. We do appreciate it. Thank you, Dennis. Yeah, got you. <laughs> Hi, Dad. <laughs> he, didn't embarrass, he didn't embarrass you at all. He's wonderful. I'm actually shocked. <laughs> Can't believe so you didn't embarrass me at all. So go to Jasper's. He just looked at me and looked, walked away. Well, what I see is my future like 18 years from now or 25 years from now or whatever. How old are you, however, well, yeah, just well, you and your dad. I just see me and my daughter. So you're, you and your daughter are about 28 years from now. Whatever. 
Isn't that crazy? That's well, weird. Yeah, it's a long time. Um, but but he seems like a lovely man. So thanks for hanging out on the show, Dennis. Yeah, he yeah you you just never know. Truly, he's normally lovely. You just don't know how much he's going to embarrass you or torment you or it's just it's just day to day. He I, for so I'm not even kidding with the slot car thing. I thought it was a euphemism for something else there for a while. I wasn't sure exactly what it meant. Um, and then he went back to it again. So I thought maybe he actually did buy you a game for your phone for Christmas, which seems like he, an, odd, an odd gift for you. He actually bought like a race car set that you like drive with your phone for me for so it, Christmas. So it was totally exact. He was telling the truth the whole time. Yeah. And, but he bought one for my brother. And then I think he's pretty much bought one for me so that they would have a longer track to play on it. Just the two of them. Yeah. <laughs> your dad and brother. They would have like two. That's what I really think happened. Cause my brother's under the tree. We had a little, little tiff about this. And then <laughs> my dad was like, anyways, I got you this too. And brought it out. And I was like, really? Why? He's like, I don't know. I was like, this is totally just so that y'all have two to play with, but it's fine. Wait, because That's he already tremendous. violated That's a tremendous. rule because we weren't really supposed to do gifts for each other. Cause we adopted a kid to do gifts for. So he kind of cheated. He wasn't supposed to buy anything. I think um, wives, I think wives do that too. Wives and dads. Cause like my wife and I always talk about how we're not giving gifts for like anniversary, birthdays, Christmas, Valentine's day. We, and we, and we don't normally, but then for Christmas, she always ends up with like, she's like, Oh yeah. Me and the girls wrapped like three or four things for you. And I'm like, it's the 23rd. That's normally what I do to other people, but I got a stern talking to, cause I always cheat. Even when we say we're not getting gifts, I do it anyway, but I didn't cheat this year and he did. So, so my wife springs this on me. And of course I went to Jasper's and contemplated this over a nice uh, gold standard cocktail. I thought, what what do I get? No free shouts. I have two days. No, they're paying for it. Jasper's. Go to Jasper's. What should I get her? And then I'm like, okay, she really loves this, 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 and this. It was not, it was not hard. It's you can't be too practical though, Braden, because you're like, oh, she hates sweeping the floor. I bought her a <laughs> vacuum. It's like, don't do that. That's just what? like, or I was talking about how like I like it to be, I'm always cold, but when I'm sleeping and in the bed, like I want it to be cold, but I want to be wrapped up. Yep. So I was complaining about a ceiling fan, like sucking in an old apartment. One of my ex-boyfriends bought me a freaking like fan for Christmas. Like I love it. Like I'm, I'm glad to have it, but it's like a fan. But that's a really, really? thoughtful, that's a really thoughtful gift though. I know. I named him buddy it's the not, fan and he's, it's also an he's ex. been with me for a long time. It's also an ex. So it can't yeah. be, it can't be romantic. It has to be functional if it's an ex gift. That's true because you can't keep it otherwise. And it's not designed to be romantic. It's designed to be, hey, I know your life. No, but I wasn't. He wasn't my ex when he bought it. Oh, so he <laughs> so be, so became the ex because of the fan. Yeah, but okay. Buddy the fan stayed. He's he has survived. Um, I think that's. So a, I guess I think it's a great gift. Yeah, looking back, I, it's fine. But when you, you, you get it, it's like, come on. What's fan? the most fondest? What's the most fondest, the 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 most fondest thing about that relationship you remember? The boyfriend or the fan? Which one do you remember? Buddy the fan. There you go. Go to Jasper's, $5 champagne all day on New Year's Eve, all day on New Year's Day, $5 champagne. I, I could do that. I could drink a lot of champagne in a day. We did all Christmas weekend, by the way. Raging headache, but it's so good. Oh, so it does, it's kind of it, worth it. Yeah. A little, little uh, splash of OJ, splash of palm, then you're good to go. Mm -hmm. You're good to go. I'm into it. Go to Jasper's. Lots of good cheap champagne. I mean, the cheap the champagne's good, but it is cheap. <laughs> like you know what I mean, right? Champagne. <laughs> it's quality champagne for a low price. There we go. It's affordable. There we go. Go to Jasper's, everybody. Uh, happy New Year. Enjoy the college football. Uh, enjoy the New Year. Stay. Be careful with amateur hour. All right. Just just 
just be careful. Go to Jasper's, everybody. All right, so we are going to attempt to actually talk about football games, Stephen. I know you want to troll us all, and maybe Aaron and I can grade you on level of trolling that you're doing on purpose here, but can we actually discuss two actual football games, the actual matchups, some of the players no, and the coaches? I, I am interested in only talking about football. Like the actual things that are going to happen on a field. You're okay, sure. and, 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 you're, and you're not going to troll too hard, just like a moderate level of trolling. Loving it. Excited to talk football. Aaron, are you? Do you believe her, him? Fit, Not totally, they. but I'm hopeful. All right, we'll start with Alabama. Early kickoff. It's the Cotton Bowl, I guess. It's not really the Cotton Bowl. It's not even being played in the Cotton Bowl, uh, but I guess it's kind of the Cotton Bowl. Um, the the line opened about thirteen and a half. Has not moved. Uh, out the over under is uh, I think fifty eight, roughly, give or take a few. Um, there's a lot of different things we can we can discuss with this matchup uh, the cornerbacks for Cincinnati in particular sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant, I think are huge. Um, just give, give me your thoughts guys quickly on how you've perceived this game from the time it was announced until now, a couple of days before kickoff, have your, has your mind changed? Has anything stuck out to you as you've analyzed the game? Hmm. Do you want to go first? Nothing. I mean, no, you, you go ahead because I, I'm honest. I am trying to hit this as honestly as possible. I initially hearing the spread on this game, it's hard for me to really think that at the end of this game, it's going to be that close. But I will say if there was ever a time where Cincinnati could play that close, it would be now because of what you just mentioned, Braden, in their secondary, Ahmad Gardner and, and Kobe Bryant that we talked about last week, especially since Alabama um, is a little bit thinner um, in the wide receiver position. Uh, I do think Cincinnati has, you know, more of a chance at an actual game plan that could work just because Alabama is so much thinner at that position than we're used to them being. And they have so much strength in those particular uh, positions on the secondary and their um, safety. And his name is leaving me at the moment but has also been extremely impressive in addition to those two guys that we just named. So I, I really don't know what's going to happen, obviously, but I do think when you first hear Alabama's, you know, the spread is only 14, it sounds a little bit close. Um, but if there's ever a time Cincinnati could maybe pull off at least covering the spread, I, I would think now because of just who Alabama has out and the weapons Cincinnati has on defense. If, if this is going to happen for Cincinnati, it is perfect and conservative on offense, otherworldly quarterback play relative to what we've seen on the, on the median. And then the game will hinge on, I would say, the secondary being able to allow the rest of the Cincinnati defense to create creative pressure. The problem is Alabama doesn't seem to worry too much about pressure on the quarterback. <laughs> That's, I mean, like, I'm trying to build this into something other than, than, you know, an inevitability. I don't think it's an inevitability. I think there's some room for error here. I think there's some volatility here. I had a, I had a casual conversation in Nashville um, with an Al former Alabama player and our kids are the same age. We were just having a conversation. And he said that amongst Bama people, including former players and that whole culture, that there was more concern about malaise towards Cincinnati than there is playing Georgia in any situation or circumstance, which that's a confidence you certainly have earned, 
but I do think that there's, there is an unknown element of Cincinnati that bothers Alabama. I don't, I don't buy into the, the Alabama is going to be sleepy. I mean, this is a playoff game. It really does. I mean, I don't care who you're playing. It doesn't matter. This G five stuff doesn't matter. Put Purdue in there, put, put, you know, uh, New Mexico state in there. It's a playoff game. It doesn't matter. So you agree with Will Anderson that they are the underdog. That look, everybody jumped on that. Everybody jumped on that. I don't care. I don't care. You have to talk yourself in order to maintain consistency in college football with the age group that you're dealing with the momentum and the, and the, and the sheer myriad amount of ways that a college football program can break or go wrong or have a cultural issue. You kind of have to lie. You you really have to, to lie, to lie, to lie and believe the lie the third time. And I kind of think that's what Alabama is doing right now with this whole underdog thing. Their mentality has definitely had to be that, has been that. And maybe that's more, you know, you can walk into a trap when you say anything out loud as a college football player or anything surrounding the game. But they definitely have had to have a little bit more of an underdog mentality. Again, it's all relative. Um, This season is uh, as opposed to what they normally do. Um, Maybe just still talking about feeding on the on the disrespect. But the last time that Alabama won, sorry, lost the. as a one four Luke fickle was the defensive coordinator at Ohio state. I was there. I was there too. Yeah. Um, the problem is it's hard to draw much more than that <laughs> because the personnel at Ohio state was not the caliber of Alabama was, was, was still a work in progress. That title arrived very early in the process for Ohio state, probably a year or two too early. There were some situations where I feel like, Maybe Ohio State benefited from the quarterback rotation they went through. If you don't remember, this was the year where it's like starts with Braxton Miller, JT Barrett, Cardale, the last two games. It's kind of an insane situation. Cincinnati can't offer you any of that. They can't, they can't offer you the size of the athleticism of the line play or anything like that. I do think they there were 46, can, there were like 46 NFL players on that team. Yeah. I mean, like you can't. That's why I'm saying you can't draw a comparison from yeah. that. I do think they have the ability to scheme them for a little while. The problem is a little while is defined by maintaining bleeding on the other side of the ball and forcing turnovers. They have to force turnovers. They have to, have to, have to shorten the field and hit them in the jaw very quickly. Otherwise, look, we've seen so many better teams just sort of slump, slump into the pressure cooker yeah, against let, let- Alabama. Let, let me so you're drawing the comp to the Luke Fickle Ohio State game, which was interesting because I that, that's an interesting comp there. I'll, you know, I, it's wishful. I, I, I think I think it's Ole Miss five turnovers on short fields beats Alabama. Yeah, from like 2015 or 16. That's the comparison I would draw, which is I think I think Alabama turned the ball over five times. I think four of them were like inside their own 30 yard line. That they had like I think it was it Chad Kelly that played near perfect football in that game. Yes, and if you go back, that's Cooper Bateman starting. They had the wrong quarterback playing, and they didn't know it yet because it was so early in the season. Right. This was and- on the. This was right after that Ohio State loss that I mentioned. The Alabama Braden that we're talking about, as we're sort of pulling here, this is the Alabama on the fulcrum. This is the end of the one Alabama and the beginning of the other one, right? Because with the first time Manziel beats them, it's a glitch in the matrix. It's justified. Here's this otherworldly Heisman winning player who could do all this amazing stuff on the run. As this game shifts in that direction, Alabama finally takes notice. We've, we've talked about this all year. We've talked about this forever. They don't have 260 pound linebackers anymore. They start to get a little bit more athletic and a little faster in space that Alabama, these two losses that we're talking about that happens kind of right in the middle of the transition. 
this Alabama now is just as well equipped to deal with really anything that Cincinnati could do from an offensive standpoint, so much better than those older teams. Uh, I, I think, I think Will Anderson is going to show us why he should have won the Heisman in this game. I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be ridiculous, but I think the other side, Desmond Ritter has to be great. He's 43. No, he has five. to be perfect. He has to be perfect. They're 43 and five. They are leading the nation in forcing turnovers by a large margin, 33 turnovers forced this year. They've also turned the ball over more than all these other teams. Bama's turned the ball over 10 times all season which is incredible. So the turnover thing, like a la Ole Miss, has to be a thing. The two corners have to stop Jamison Williams. You cannot play – I think this is the most important thing you've said so far, Stephen. You cannot drop back into zone the way Georgia did and just expect four to pressure Bryce Young no. because he's going to pick you apart. And that is where they can get creative because yes. they may have they may have the guys to stick on the ice out. And to your point, Aaron, they don't have more than Jamison Williams truly as like a true – like terrifying threat to destroy the secondary. So uh, this is all how we are trying to make the case for Cincinnati to what be close in the third quarter. Like I'm, that's what, that's I'm, what we're doing I'm, here. Yeah. I mean, that would be a great game. I think <laughs> I'm uh, honestly, I'm setting the table on a radio show on a podcast. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to be frank with y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm drawing out the tiniest pieces possible to make a conversation out of this in, it feels like a fool's errand given the ability yeah, for this yeah. particular program to adjust in the postseason alone. Fuck everything else they've ever done. Think about how this program adjusts in major situations and major games. He's had a month to, to game plan for this. It, it's I love Cincinnati. I do. I literally do. But like, come on. Yep. I'm pissed they drew this. All right. So they will also have to play the the tough thing too before we move on is just that Cincinnati, in terms of, you know, like Desmond Ritter playing with his feet, being able to, you know, run around and open up options for himself in terms of his passing game, it does require with that. Uh, scrambling and all of that comes the room for, you know, more error. And they, like Steven said, I mean, they had to f- capitalize on every turnover, every mistake Alabama made. They have to do all of that by being almost nearly perfect, if not perfect to even give themselves a shot. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be tough for them, but I do think if anyone could give them, I mean, at least keep it interesting till the third quarter. Maybe it's Cincinnati. Just the lack of familiarity that yep. those two teams have playing each other. And we'll I hope, and I hope Jerome Ford has a big day because I think that would be cool. Former Alabama player having a big day against his former team. Just yes, yay transfer portal. Um, all right, Michigan versus Georgia. And I know you know Godfrey. A couple of weeks ago, you've been like trolling this Georgia team since the SEC championship game, and and that's fine. That's that's totally fair. Um, the Braves stole their championship, but. I, I continued to try to – I think Michigan's very good. I think their defensive line is very good. I think their running game is very good. I think they match up and really, really well with Georgia in certain spots, in particular their defensive line against the Georgia offense. I, I just – there's just not a player package or personnel grouping that I think is better. And if you try to play bully ball and run the football right at Jordan Davis, I just don't know how they're – like how – that's not what Alabama did to be. Why beat do Georgia. we think they're going to do that? Because Cade McNamara, when in, in the one drive he had to make big throws, trailing in the fourth quarter, he missed on a couple of big throws. I don't think Cade McNamara and I don't think the weapons for Michigan out in space are this are, are capable of attacking the one area of concern for Georgia. And otherwise, I think it's a low scoring close game that Georgia just sort of, you know, 21 13. It barely covers or doesn't cover or whatever, but like this is a 44 total over under. 
I just don't see the pieces Definitely for Michigan. Yeah, I don't think the pieces for Michigan are there to take advantage. Like, unless they're going to start J.J. McCarthy at quarterback and run the zone read. I, I don't know. I expect to see something fundamentally different on offense from Michigan. I expect them to understand their limitations, but at the same time, this is a Josh Gaddis offense, and nothing that Georgia presents is going to shock them in terms of the scheme. It's an issue of personnel. So I would say that as long as, I mean, as long as this is the year where I begrudgingly came around on Michigan and said, okay, like Gaddis has the book. They're actually letting him call the plays. They, they have been a little bit more, as you said, maybe because of McNamara buttoned up, they have not been as loose as like the Patterson years. They have not been as wide open as they maybe could have been, which is a criticism I normally levy against Georgia. I do agree with you. Take the under. It's going to be ugly. They're going to push each other around, but I don't see anything here that, that I don't, I have a hard time thinking with a month between these games that Michigan over the course of a month is going to go, you know what? We're just going to run straight into the teeth of it. And we're going to push them in the area that they're absolutely the strongest at. And this is before we talk about the other side of the ball, which I think is the actual interesting part of this. I, I, you, you almost have to assume Michigan's going to do something different. So the thing that would be different, in my opinion, let me throw another comp at you. Okay. This is AJ McCarron against LSU part two in the BCS championship game, which is what the plan I would do if I was Josh Gaddis. Which is they threw the yeah, football. They, yeah, they, they lost nine six at home, Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was at that game. Yeah. They came out and every they threw the ball on first down directly at Tyron Matthew the entire game. They they just threw the ball right at him, and and it was like, what are they doing? This is totally different, and that's because they had AJ McCarron and a bunch of NFL receivers. I I that's my issue is I I think it's great to bring in JJ McCarthy and use him in some cool running sets and get super creative with some trick plays and have Cade McNamara go down the field. But what happens when you go three and out a couple of times and everyone's going like, why aren't you running the football? Why aren't you trying to stick, stick with what got you here? You see, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting comp. I have to really sit and kind of think with that. We boy, as a, as a show today, we're very stuck on this one particular era of Alabama football, even when we're not talking about Alabama. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I could see that. I could see that. Um, Gaddis's experience to me, just, I have to think that like, this is the moment I have to think this is the, if you look at first off, Michigan weirdly doesn't have a lot of big stage games under Harbaugh because of the Ohio state problem. <laughs> they always get knocked into somewhat, so not obscure. I mean, the citrus bowl is an obscurity, but it's definitely not like a high stage game anymore. Uh, because they would constantly lose the Ohio State game, so we don't have a, I, I we don't have a great read on them in these type of situations. But I, ha- I mean, you have to think they're going to expand and do something different. Um, I was not following this whole JT Barrett is in Florida. JT Barrett is not in Florida drama. Like I, I was told, my colleague at, at SZD, Richard Johnson, was he's down there for the game, and like apparently, as soon as all the Georgia media got there. They like went to whatever tarmac. JT, Dan- JT Daniels. What did I say? Uh, Barrett. Oh, whoops. Yeah. There's I was like, Ohio yeah, why, why is the Ohio yeah. State quarterback down there? And now, if he played for George, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, first off, they're going to play Bennett unless it, unless there is a, a hardcore COVID. Like, are, are we turning this is where I'm trying to go? Are, are we turning this into a thing? No, he's that a starter. Georgia is suddenly going to be inventive on offense. This is my whole issue. This is why I lost faith. 
Like they're they're going to start but, Stetson Bennett and do the same damn thing. But they have not had to be inventive on offense to beat anyone in the world except uh-huh. for Alabama. And they didn't beat him. They got they their beat, ass kicked. They beat Baker Mayfield in Oklahoma. They beat Auburn in the SEC championship game. They beat Florida. They beat everybody else. And that would include Michigan, who they've not played, by the way, since 1965, which is pretty cool. But I'm just Good saying, helmets game. Good helmets game. Oh, great uniform game. The only I mean, like classic. My my point is is that you're right, Steven, when they're playing Bama. Every other game they've played in a huge spot, because you just mentioned Harbaugh not having huge spots. Every other yeah. game they've played in huge spots, Kirby's won it. And I know it's All not right. a lot of them, but they've won it because it's not Bama. But what's <laughs> the comp this season to, to Michigan? Oh, they're the second best team they've played. It's not, it, I agree. I mean, like week one Clemson? Like, yeah, I mean, I agree. T- Tennessee, Arkansas, Kentucky, Clemson is not. Yeah, I was about to say Florida. Or like, Tennessee, those are like, yeah. But they're also not like drastically worse than Michigan. Michigan's way better, but they're not in like. the wake of in the wake of that embarrassment. I definitely teed off and don't regret anything I said. And I still think Michigan's gonna win this game. But I it's a level of frustration because all year long it was like, hey, there's a hole in your boat. There's a hole in your boat. Oh, did your boat sink? Hey, dumbass, there was a hole in your boat. That's I we we all said this all season long that Georgia is gonna get too comfortable. It's gonna get too comfortable. I even bought in. Oh, I was look, gonna say Aaron. Jordan Davis doing the triple pack. Aaron, wasn't there one? Like, Aaron, wasn't there one episode where it was like maybe they're just fooled? They're true. Yeah, they're maybe us. they could just be this big and dumb until a team that used to be that big and dumb, who's more talented, kicked their ass around their shoulders. Reductive, I believe, was the word. Reductive sounds right. I mean, Jordan Davis carried the ball is glorious and wonderful and should be celebrated. But it like, is. you might want to do something else on offense. Yeah, I, I don't know. I do think that this game is going to be close enough that if Georgia can't get something going in the air in a better way than they're able to do against Alabama, then they're probably not going to see themselves in the championship. I, I don't think the offense was the problem against Alabama. Well, we already talked like, about everything else. I mean, I agree. Stetson Bennett threw an interception in the end zone. Here, here's why I, I don't understand why he didn't at least give the football to JT Daniels for a couple of series. Like, while the game is still sort of in reach – and Bennett throws an interception in the end zone, why you don't at least try the quarterback who can who can sling it all over the place, or maybe a little bit more. I thought that was interesting. In theory, you could have four quarterbacks playing in this game, in, th- in theory, which would be interesting to watch because I guarantee you J.J. McCarthy's going to play. I, I guarantee you McNamara, and I guarantee you Bennett's going to start. The question is, mm-hmm. if well, Kirby is... Yeah. Right. If, if Aaron, if, if Georgia is faced with another... The offense is stagnant. They're not doing anything. It's not productive. Michigan's defense is winning the line of scrimmage, and it's whatever. I don't know. Seventeen to nine in the third quarter. Are we like what? What is holding Kirby Smart back from making a change? I don't know. I would try it because you're the season ends there if you don't. If you can't get it going again, I mean, why not? I if, guess I understand. Oh, go ahead, Aaron. I, I don't understand really anything about this whole like you know Georgia quarterback game has been very confusing for the past couple of seasons I think for all of us but I mean if it's if there's stagnation like you're saying Braden in in the third quarter or towards the end of the game I mean why why not your season ends if you don't figure it out there has to be something we don't know if that's the case uh, yeah. and it There's, happens. God, it's you know, been like right. this for so long. We normally find out stuff before now. You know how like in hockey at the end of the season, they like like you go through a playoff oh, run. Broken ankle. Yeah, it was like, oh, he was actually skating on a broken leg. This like, and you're like, why why are his minutes down? Why aren't they using him? And that like the day after they're eliminated, they're like, he Yeah, he actually he lost a leg. We just filled that with sawdust. Like 
maybe you have a situation like that come out, but the, the college football is a much different environment in terms of injury news. It's both tighter and looser at the same time. Yeah. I feel like we would have known that. I really do. So there's some Georgia booster that knows something that's not telling anybody anything. Um, all right. So Aaron, Steven has is picking Michigan to win the game outright. Do, do we want to create some intra show gamble here for Godfrey before we go today? Yeah, I'm picking Georgia. Cause I'm picking Georgia as well. Is there something we can put on the line? Some, something guessers. silly, something. Yeah. Can we, something silly we can do anything at all. Ooh. I'm not shaving mm. my head or anything. I'm definitely not doing that. Yeah. I'll totally shave my head. <laughs> I have the least I have the least to lose of the three of you us. You wear hats every day anyway. <laughs> Dugan and I are way too vain for that. Yeah, way. Well, um I just have terrible ooh, hair. I so. don't know. Godfrey, what do you think? Jasper's I mean, butt. 440 tattoo. I'll have to what if I like all right, Hell if no. I lose, I have to do the read and then you can criticize it. That's not that I'm gonna fun, lose. Though. Wait, wait. So you're picking Michigan, but you know oh, you're yeah. gonna lose. Uh, I feel I, yeah, because honestly, I, I'm probably over trolling. I'm, uh, no, over correcting on how bad Georgia was against Alabama. And also, part of my, like, a genuine part of my soul doesn't want to see Georgia Bama in the national title. Even if they're the best two teams? They're not. Well, then, then we'll Let's go Bearcats. But, but we'll, but we'll learn. So you think the Bearcats are the number two? Oh best God! In America, don't let me on the show if Cincinnati wins. Don't. I know. I would show. love it. I would I'm love definitely it. letting you on the show. I would love, love it. The show. Godfrey, Aaron, are you rooting for Cincinnati? I'm rooting. I'll. I will openly root for Cincinnati because I'm, yes. I'm pro chaos. I'm, I'm not anti Alabama. I'm not on the anti Alabama yeah. train, but I'm yeah. on the pro Cincinnati train. Let me. Let and me. As a Memphis fan, I never thought I'd say that. We're not rooting against Cincinnati. Let me. Let me end it by saying this. I got to go. Let me say this. It has nothing to do with Alabama. It has nothing to do with the SEC. It genuinely doesn't. This isn't about a genuine opinion. What I think this sport is searching for now is a way to create some new energy and some new subject matter. And there would be nothing bigger than Cincinnati beating Alabama and forcing so many conversation topics and so many so many things that we, 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 that we've held as assumptions for so long about the power five, about who can win, about who should be let in about, you know, who has a logical path. I don't think people have thought about this. This would affect coaching searches. This would affect recruiting. This would affect the playoff dynamic moving forward. If it, if this happens, this changes a lot. Why are you laughing? Because I'd like a toilet made of solid gold and a seal that barks my name, but it ain't gonna happen, man. It ain't in the cards. So I agree Let's with everything. Out. I agree with everything you just said. Let's find it, out. It would be paradigm shifting stuff. But you know what else would be paradigm shifting stuff? Because the way we get expansion, unfortunately, is for the opposite to happen. Because if Cincinnati wins, it might I change the way to make. Yeah, think. I think it already happened though. And maybe you're right, but but if Cincinnati wins, it would do all the stuff you're saying. You're 100 correct. I totally agree with you. But it's but then the expansionists are gonna the, like people that don't want to expand are gonna say, look, we don't need to expand. You've got an opportunity to win right here. So maybe it's already well, happened, I, and maybe it doesn't. Uh, yeah, happen. I think it's already. I mean, honestly, I it's think already it's already happening. Yeah, we're band, we're bandying about this, but I'm pretty sure it's already happened. So since George is the topic of this conversation, that's what the bet is on. What if I, um, I'm gonna buy a baby bulldog, and if Braden wins Whoa. his bet. Steven gets the bulldog, and if Steven wins, Braden gets baby bulldog. That's like a thousand dollar. That's like a thousand dollar. Yeah, miss, miss no, fine. I can adopt one. It'll be a mix. Frustrated about that. I'll walk it. Can you imagine if you walk out of your porch <laughs> and there's just a wrapped present with a bulldog in it? I, congrats, Aaron. 
You lost. I, yeah. My daughters would love it. The the wife, mm. uh, not so much. Yeah, I think I'll both have amount, kids, so you couldn't give it back. Like the amount of time oh no, takes, that's the that's the biggest problem. And the amount of time it takes to like clean its like uh, under eye like double our dogs and stuff. We, our oh, dog man. passed away last year, and like we had an appropriate amount of mourning, and it was it was my dog. It was a very intense mourning. I was very sad, and then like six months later, we were like, wow, it's kind of nice not having a dog right now with three kids running around. <laughs> They're a lot of work. That's the way my I think that's the way my wife thinks too. And my dog is like eleven, and I'm waiting for that exact experience uh -huh. to happen because I want to get another one to overlap so that yeah. we can have. We didn't overlap. do that, so it, it was too late. Maybe so. I do need a bulldog, Aaron. All right. Hey. Uh, uh, he, he's got Michigan and Bama in the national championship game. Aaron and I have Georgia and Bama in the national championship game. Just really, really changing it up and going out on a limb there. All right. Uh, oh when, we, when we come back, you will hear our conversation with David Oven of the Athletic. David, welcome to the show, man. We appreciate your time. Good to see you. I know you are live from the Big Easy down there at the Sugar Bowl with Baylor and Ole Miss, but we're going to talk playoff as well. So good to see you, man. Thank you for joining the show, bud. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, an interesting time in college football. I, you know, uh, I was talking to some Sugar Bowl people earlier, earlier today, and it's wild that for pretty much the whole season, things were pretty normal. And I remember talking about like forfeit policy before the season, and I'm like, I don't know, vaccination rates, I, I think we're never going to see that. And here we are, and we're seeing a lot of it. And it is, you know, I guess I'm glad it's not October, but it's just, uh, it feels like we're back in 2020. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Time is a flat circle. Uh, uh, the, the question is, do we think it affects the playoff games? Um, JT Daniels got into COVID last week. He had Bill O'Brien and David uh, Doug Marone into COVID protocol last week. It does seem like the, some of the new policies are you know, I guess geared towards getting people back or maybe avoiding losing people. Um, do you think this has any impact at all on, on Friday's games? Well, that's the thing is like, it doesn't until it does. Right. <laughs> it's like, you know, it sounds like everything's pretty good right now. It sounds like everyone's in good shape. Uh, you know, the CDC recommendations are going to be huge for sports uh, cutting that, that, that isolation period from 10 days to five days. So, you know, does that affect these games? I don't think so. Uh, but, you know, as far as them getting played, I, I don't think you're going to see any huge effects. But, you know, again, you just don't really know. Uh, and so my guess would be no uh, until it does. <laughs> so I don't think so. I think it'll be fine. But uh, I guess we got to get uh, freezing cold takes on here to cut this clip in the event that one of these playoff games gets uh, gets postponed or switch. I don't really know. It's interesting. You know, we've seen some of the smaller bowls you're seeing some team switching and it'd be interesting if that had to happen at a new year's six game obviously I, I don't think it would happen at a playoff game i think the policies are postponement more than anything else but uh it'd be interesting <laughs> how, how dare you david change your opinion when new information is presented to yeah, you? how, how exactly. dare you do that um exactly. right. so so the matchups are announced a couple of weeks ago it does feel like this and maybe it is the, the two weeks worth of the c word that's sort of like re re-emerging in our brains but as, as sports people, but it does feel like it's been pretty flat building up to the new year's Eve uh, semifinals. Has anything changed in your mind from when you saw the matchups announced and you were like, all right, Bama, Cincinnati, Georgia, Michigan, you know, 13 point favorite, seven point favorite, you know, the two sec teams are favored to get back to playing in a rematch in the national title game. Has anything changed in your mind over the last couple of weeks between when you viewed those matchups originally to now the week of the games? Not a ton. I, I think two things. I think, you know, on one hand, you have 
the recency bias of Alabama, I think, in that they were not very good for most of their games this year, a bunch of games. And you look back at LSU, you look back at Arkansas. Um, you know, when you look at what they did this year, other than Miami and then Ole Miss, and then, of course, the way that they closed, man, Bama was shaky. So, you know, if they didn't have a month to prepare, I, I would like Cincinnati to make this closer or maybe even win this ball game. But with a month, man, it's tough. With a month to prepare for Nick Saban, that's that's tough. I don't think they're going to blow Cincinnati's doors off. But, you know, Alabama, when we saw them against Georgia, that's A-plus Alabama. We haven't seen that team literally all season. Um, the game plan was unbelievably solid. I think Georgia really thought, hey, we're just better than you in the lines. We didn't see a lot of complex. I was asking a couple SEC coaches about that, and they noticed that as well. Georgia didn't do a lot of exotic things. They kind of just brought four like they have all season, and Alabama held up. Um, so is Alabama's offensive line as good as it looked against Georgia? I really don't think so. I mean, you look at back, you look at that Texas A&M game, Mike Elko had them guessing. They were completely lost in multiple snaps. That's why you saw Bryce Young running for his life a lot of that game. It's not that A&M's defensive line is better than Georgia's. It certainly is not. But A&M had a more exotic scheme, confused Alabama's offensive line. I think you're going to see that from Cincinnati. If they can get Bryce Young uncomfortable, get him off tempo, this could be a tight game. Secondly, you know, I, I hate to ask the question, but it certainly is Georgia overrated because you look at Georgia and you look at kind of that soft second class of the SEC. I mean, does anybody really impress you? And it is something to be said for beating the heck out of good teams, average teams. But Georgia, you know, they have, other than, than Alabama, you know, Michigan's going to be the next best team that they've played. You know, Clemson is not who we thought Clemson was. And I think people sort of, you know, as a combination of, uh, you know, people assuming Clemson was going to get right and assuming that they are who they were, which they're not. And then Georgia beating the heck out of pretty average teams, some good teams, not a lot of great teams. Michigan, you know, they beat Ohio State. Michigan is a great team. They're probably not as good as Alabama, but they can hang. So these are some big lines. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe one of them devolves into a blowout. I think Georgia-Michigan looks like it's going to be really low scoring. Um, but these are going to be some interesting games. And I think, like I said, my main takeaway is, you know, people are putting a lot of stock in that SEC championship game, but I think it means a little bit more for Georgia than it does for Alabama because, you know, Georgia has kind of been the same team and, and hasn't really been challenged like they did in that game and like Michigan's going to challenge them. But Alabama, are we going to get that A-plus game? If we do, they're going to cover that spread. And if we don't, they might lose. What's funny is I kind of agree with you that it's almost impossible to put too much stock in one situation out of 13 and, mm -hmm. and maybe and maybe assume a little bit of anomaly, not not a lot, because they're two elite elite level talented rosters and you know coaches that know each other very well and all that stuff. But if you sort of do that with Alabama and say, well, but these are the twelve team, these are the twelve times we saw you do X, you kind of have to then do the same thing with Georgia and say, I expect that defense to be much better. They're not going to put that kind of performance on the field twice in a row. They're probably going to be better than that. Y you mentioned how exotic you know how how unique it took to attack Alabama well Michigan doesn't do like their defense is completely legit completely capable on the front line of of, of giving major problems to Georgia's offense their quarterback whoever it might be Stetson Bennett I'm assuming but if it's but can they be exotic like do they have to be exotic to win the matchup with Michigan or, or can they just do what they did against Arkansas and Kentucky and 
you know, Tennessee and, you know, Auburn teams that have lots of talent, but we're good, not great. Like, do they have to be exotic to beat Michigan or, or does Michigan sort of play into their style of game? I, I, I mean, I think you, you kind of have to see how they hold up. I, I, I really think this game comes down to Alabama's offensive line because we've seen this team all season long. You know, people want their, their defense has been pretty consistent for most of the season. It's a good unit. It's really good, really above average. By Alabama standards, it's maybe not elite, but it's really, really good. But when they have struggled in games this year, it's because the offensive line has struggled. Communication's been an issue. They don't lose a ton of one-on-ones because – I don't know if you've heard this, Braden. Alabama, they have some pretty good players. So when it's, hey, you're coming at me, I know you're coming at me, let's go, they don't lose a lot of those battles. But when you're guessing and you're leaving free rushers and there's miscommunications – We've seen Alabama look really, really shaky. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I really think it's just as simple as this game comes down to the offensive line. If Bryce Young has time, I think he's going to shred Cincinnati. And if he doesn't, and I think Cincinnati can pressure him a little bit, they, they can force him into some mistakes because when he gets pressured, he hasn't looked fantastic. I mean, it, granted, that's sort of every quarterback, but, you know, that's sort of the case. And I was like, while we're, while we're on the subject – Cincinnati, you know, they're going to sort of be this, you know, as much as Alabama likes to pretend that they are, Cincinnati's going to be the underdog in this ballgame. Cincinnati's got a really good roster. These aren't a bunch of scrubs and walk-ons. Like, this is like a, a mid-level P5 roster. I mean, they have a ton of four stars. This is, you know, probably the most talented team in the group of five. This team would be just pure talent, you know, a, a sort of a team in the top third of a, of a major conference. So let's not act like this is, you know, uh, Scrubsville. This is a really good Cincinnati team that's really talented. Go go with the same matchup for for Georgia. And <laughs> what I mean is, is does Georgia's defense have to be creative? Have to be unique? Like they should have been with Alabama, but they weren't. Right? Do they have to do that against Michigan? Like, is that or because because again, I guess the question is, do they have the personnel to take advantage of Georgia? If they don't, if they're not going to get creative, if they are going to be vanilla and sit back and do what they did against Alabama. Or can they just win by being vanilla and attacking Michigan like that? Well, I think you need to be versatile. I think you need to be prepared to do kind of both. It seemed like they never really adjusted to Alabama. I don't know if they didn't have some of those packages in the, in the, in the game plan or what. You would think game 13 you could probably draw some stuff up. Not draw some stuff up, but add some stuff, you know, on the side of, hey, do this thing that we did to Kentucky or whatever. So, you know, because the soft spot, and I use that term with gigantic – question mark or quotation marks is the the back half of Georgia's defense you can get to them you can do some things we saw that obviously Alabama did that the, the problem is that front seven just disrupts everything you can't run because Jordan Davis is right there and if Michigan tries to slam into that uh front of Georgia they're not going anywhere and then you've got obviously uh N'Kobe Dean coming off the edge you know uh, all these incredible linebackers um that that are you know those edge rushers in that three four scheme so if you can hold up you know i think from george's perspective right i think maybe you try to go traditional and bring three four five guys and drop back you know six or seven um but if that's not working if you're not getting to them then you have to change and i didn't really change that against alabama so i don't think it's one thing or the other i think you have to be sort of versatile give them different looks confuse Cade McNamara. Because he's going to be the guy that has to win this game. Georgia, I mean, uh, Michigan, especially early in the season, they just want to run at you, play. They want to maul you. And they can maul a lot of teams. You can't maul Georgia. You got to do 
I think this Michigan team is going to look a little bit like they looked at Michigan State, where you're throwing the ball over the floor, over the field because you have to. So we'll see. Uh, I think you got to be if you're Georgia, just versatile. See what you can do. I would probably start with, "Hey, I think we can beat you." But if you can't, you got to adjust. And we didn't see that against Alabama. I think that could be the difference in this ball game. If you had like a, an hour of sit down interview opportunity with like Kirby Smart, JT Daniels, and Stetson Bennett. Like, how, <laughs> how are you going about who, who do you want to talk to first? What are the questions you want to ask? What are you trying to find out? You know, it's such an awkward situation. I, I think for one, Sesson Bennett gives them a quarterback run game that JT Daniels is not. And we've seen them use that quite a bit. You know, Kirby Smart is not going to play alliances or allegiances or whatever. You know, he wants to win. And I think. If Jay, it's not like Jay, I think people want to act like, well, JT Dales is a five star. Sesson Bennett's a former walk on who had to go to Juco. Obviously, you know, he's going to be a lot better. Not really. And I think, you know, Sesson Bennett doesn't have the measurables. He's probably not going to be an NFL guy. But you look at some of the throws that he made early in the season, uh, you know, controversial or not, because again, everyone is sort of a prisoner of the moment and, and is locked into what they saw against Alabama. But Stetson Bennett, I think, is good enough to win a national championship. When I say that, I think that says more about the rest of Georgia's team than it does about Stetson Bennett. But J.K. Dallas hasn't played that much. He's been hurt. He's been banked up. He's been rehabbing for most of the season. And when you miss those game reps, you haven't played live football for a long time. It doesn't matter in practice, and you want to throw him into the national championship. Now, I will say, when Stetson Bennett threw that second interception uh, in the SC championship, I'm kind of looking and we were sitting our, our athletic staff was in and I'm like, man, I might give him some, sh- give him a shot here and just see like what happens because it can't get worse. And who's going to criticize you for benching him. But look, unless JT Daniels has spent the last month, just setting everything on fire in practice. If Kirby smart is not going to make that change in the middle of the SC championship game, when it's still kind of in reach, but your quarterback just threw another pick. You know, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. And, and I think it's just the, the real interesting question is what happens next year because Sesson Bennett can come back. If you're JT Daniels, do you say, I, if I'm healthy and I have a full offseason, I'm going to beat this guy out. I think he, he's probably right. But when you're betting your whole career somewhat on that, you know, do you look elsewhere at that point? I don't know. So, yeah, it's, it's called, the, it's really called the NFL. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it, it's one of the more awkward quarterback situations because there's no real good answer. And to Kirby smarts credit, you know, he doesn't seem to really care what anyone else kind of thinks, because if he did, he probably would have played JT Daniels a lot more, but you know, he's had multiple injuries that have kind of compounded on one another. And even before that, you know, he's been sort of injury prone and, you know, I know people want to bag on, on Stetson Bennett, but other than the picks in the Alabama game, you know, there's this idea that he can't be, you know, he can't compete with the elite teams or can't play with the elite teams. But I mean, what did JT Daniels do against Clemson that really excites people? You know, I, I think people just fall in love with the five star concept and just assume that he's going to walk in and look like a Heisman winner. And I'm just not sure that's the case. Who, who, I want two quick ones here for you. To, who is playing in the national championship game, in your opinion? Man, I, I really think Michigan will cover in that game, but. It's real hard for me to say anybody other than Georgia and Alabama because, for one, they're the most talented teams. 
I believe in Nick Saban as a uh, game planner for a month. I'm not sure that Michigan is going to be able to score enough to, to be in that ball game. I, I think, you know, you, you, Georgia's defense probably makes a couple game-changing turnovers in that ball game. But I, I, I think Michigan can hang. I would not be surprised at all if Michigan won. I would not be surprised at all, honestly, if Cincinnati won. Because how does Cincinnati win? Oh, yeah, Alabama, the one that we saw against Georgia, that's not the Alabama that we've seen for 12 other games. We've seen a pretty average Alabama team by their standards, I should say. That's why we're going to see that if they win. And, you know, if Georgia loses, it's going to be because, well, I guess Georgia just wasn't that good, which might be the case. So I, I think it's Georgia and Alabama. I would, if I'm betting money on that, I think that's where I'd go. But, man, the, these lines are big, and I, and I think you, you can't rule out an upset in any of those games. All right, and last one here. We'll let you go. Uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year, all that great stuff to you. Um, what I, they lose if Georgia loses to Alabama in the national championship game, there will be a lot of like repeat analysis of all the Kirby Smart stuff that's just going to be repeated, repeated, repeated. But it will be two trips to the national championship game, something no other Georgia coach has accomplished in 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 forty years. So there's still a lot to like there. There, he's also recruiting at a level that gives you a lot of opportunities to keep getting back there. You lose to Michigan in the first round of the, against a big 10 team against Jim Harbaugh, the coach that no one in the South respects, even though he's a very good football coach. What, what happens to Georgia fans if they lose to Michigan? I mean, they'll be mad, but it's like, what do you want to do? Like, just keep, keep at it. You're winning 10, 11, 12 games every single year. You're recruiting at a top three level that will get you in the playoff more years than it won't. You know, I, other than just like, you know, well, you know, maybe next year. Well, that's not really wishful thinking. That's just the reality that Georgia's probably going to be back, you know, right in the same spot a year from now, maybe next two years from now. So, you know, the thing is, when you recruit the way that they do, you get a lot of bites at the apple and they have missed uh, in their biggest chance. But, they weren't a better team than Alabama that season. They, you know, sometimes teams lose games that they're supposed to win. Uh, and I, I, I'm really intrigued to see a, a rematch. And, you know, the storyline aspect of it is a little tired to me. The whole sort of, you know, Saban assistant thing and all that. And uh, the Georgia can't get over the Alabama hump. It's really interesting on the field. Storyline aspect, I don't think it's that much more complicated than Nick Saban is really hard to game plan against, and he has really good players. And, you know, as complicated as college football is, sometimes it's not that complicated. When you have the best coach and you have the best players, uh, you tend to win a lot. So, <laughs> old, old, takes ex- old takes exposed. Nick Saban is a really good coach. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But it's going to be a fascinating playoff. I can't wait to see it. David, thank you so much, man, for giving us some time. We really appreciate it. Make sure you check him out all over the, all the podcasts for The Athletic as well as all the great writing as well. Go pay for good journalism, folks, theathletic.com. Thank you, David. We appreciate it. Thank you. That was David Ubbin of The Athletic down in New Orleans covering the, uh, the Ole Miss-Baylor game, but like all the, all the great folks at The Athletic like and everywhere else, not sure if they're – going to be at like any of these games georgia michigan or alabama because um we're not sure what access is going to look like teams are showing up late because of covid it's all kinds of all kinds of crazy weirdness uh aaron so what 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 does aaron dugan do go to jaspers by the way what does aaron dugan's like do you have any traditions on new year's eve at all anything that the good people would want to hear about 
Not a big New Year's Eve girl. I don't really care about it. I will do some, I have done social things. I will do something if I guess I'm, if I'm feeling it or if somebody else I'm friends with is feeling passionate about it. I don't, here's why I don't love New Year's Eve. And it's funny you called it that. My dad's always called New Year's Eve amateur hour. Always. Someone's always throwing up. At least one girl cries without fail. Um, and I just, I'm just not super into it. I'm more of a new year's day girl for probably somewhat obvious reasons. Um, what, mimosas, this, mimosas and bowl games. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, maybe like bloody Mary bowl games. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. But this year, um, I have a friend getting married on new year's Eve. So hopefully if, hopefully if things, so you're missing <laughs> the games don't go horribly awry on new year's Eve. Um, yeah, I'm hoping that norm last time I went to a wedding on a big football on Thanksgiving weekend, um, all the groomsmen were watching the, the games in their suite, <laughs> just hung out and watched it part of the time. But yeah, there is a game on, there's a wedding on new year's Eve. Um, and then new year's day, I'm just going to hang out. Hopefully I, things go, don't get canceled. I met, my, I met my wife on new year's Eve actually. Oh, that's we, right. Y'all are having an around the world party at, we were at my old your, apartment. Yeah apartment and then you left and went to a concert and rushed back so you could hang out with her yep she people say how do you meet and i go she walked into my apartment and never left that's really convenient it, for yeah, you it worked out pretty well i got two beautiful daughters now because God. you didn't deserve to have it that easy uh, oh come on there was there was years of turmoil and heartache before that <laughs> lots of lots of uh Lots of, of heartache for sure. There's no question about that. Um, I was like 33. It wasn't. I wasn't young when it happened. So. What are you doing on th- those days? Uh, I will be. I'll be watching. Uh, we got like a kids gathering in the with the friends. Probably do some like game night stuff while I watch football, and then I've got to be on the air at 6 a.m. Central Time on ESPN Radio on yeah, Saturday. New Year's first. Oh no, I can start drinking at 8:58 a.m. on New Year's Day. I mean, on New Year's Eve. Yeah, I don't. I don't. We don't. We don't. We barely make it to the eleven o'clock, you know, Central Time ball drop. It's we not barely, worth it. No, we we we're not we're not fun like you. The kids are in bed by like eight o'clock. We they're gonna be up at six a.m. anyway. Like we we're very very boring. It's not fun. Um, but I I get to use all of that as an excuse to sit down and watch Michigan and Georgia as intently as I possibly can without any distractions. So mm. I'm excited about that. Yeah, lucky. So excited. Well, two, the two the two different life situations here where I'm ecstatic to be doing nothing and you're going out and being fun and exciting, but you don't really I mean, it's a wedding. Do it. We're gonna like skip it and be like, I don't feel like it. <laughs> it's <like> rude. Um <laughs> I think it's rude to schedule a wedding on New Year's Eve. But but if you don't like New Year's Eve anyway, it doesn't it's not wildly offensive because I'm like, I don't really want to I don't care about it. So it's like some might be offended that the college football playoff is scheduling playoff games on New Year's Eve. <laughs> That's what I'm more offended by, honestly. Not normally would be fine with it, but this year I'm not super stoked about that scheduling. Have a great holiday, everybody. Have a great new year. We'll give you all of our New Year's intentions and resolutions next week on the show. For Stephen Godfrey, Aaron Dugan, uh, th- special thanks to David Ubbin as well. My name is Braden Gall. We are brought to you by who, Aaron Dugan? Jaspers, your ride into 2020. Don't know what that means. 2022. 2022. There you go. Oh my gosh, we're not redoing 2020. I'm so sorry. Not 2019 either. (laughs) Would be nice. Uh, Have a great holiday, everybody. Enjoy the games. I got Bama and Georgia. She's got Bama and Georgia. Thank you guys all for listening. Of course, this has been the Fringe Element on the 440 Sports Network.